I wonder, how do you view the Bible? Do you view this as your friend or your enemy? Maybe a bit of both. Do you view it as a book or the word of God? I've personally found it really helpful to view this as treasure and to view this as spiritual food. And I think we can hear a message and we can hear scripture read and it can easily go right over our heads and we can miss out on so much. And I think sometimes it's good to come back to thinking about why do we do what we do with church in all areas of church but such an important area of hearing God's word and so important that we don't uh, stray from it by speaking too much um, about modern day examples and you know nice anecdotes etc and I'm not saying those things are wrong but it, it concerns me sometimes when I've sat in church services and I hear a message and at the end of it probably have only heard about one verse of scripture and that hasn't really um, really been looked into in much detail and of course I'm not accusing anyone here of this but it's a massive concern to me because this truly is treasure and this is spiritual food this can satisfy like no like no roast dinner no great fry up could satisfy if we were given the choice of spiritual food or physical food. I'm sure we'd be tempted to go for physical food. But in terms of the one that's going to be of more benefit to our whole being, we know it is the word of God. I love the word of God. There are so many times I've read a scripture and God has spoken to me through it. And I don't know about you, but I found it very frustrating at times when I've sat before God, just saying, God, please speak to me, either about a particular situation or just wanting to generally hear his voice for his direction because I want to live my life for him. And I don't hear anything back. I just sit there. Sometimes I've even done this for as long as an hour. And, and yeah, maybe thoughts come in my head, but, but nothing where I feel confidence that's of the Lord. And I'm not saying we shouldn't sit and listen like that. There's the real value in that. But one thing I've learned in my life is I've spent too much time doing that and not enough time saying, hang on, what's that that's been right in front of me all these years? Absolutely overflowing with treasure and spiritual food for me. And I just think that there is a real balance, isn't there, between being before God quietly, enjoying that stillness, trying to see if the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you directly in that stillness rather than um, solely through the word of God. But if we're feeling empty, if we're feeling discouraged, if we're feeling spiritually hungry, please pick up your Bible and please remind me too. Because we can get so much just from one scripture. And as we look at John 14 verses 1 to 14, I can't help but want to do a sermon on every verse. Because there's just so much here. Don't worry, I'm not going to do 14 sermons this morning. (laughs) But I am definitely an all-star preacher in terms of I just want to go through this and eat well with you. And I pray that we would all eat well together this morning and that we would receive that flesh on the bones we would receive, that encouragement, whatever it is that we may need this day. I'll just read the whole scripture and then we'll go through it together. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
This is, of course, Jesus speaking. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Sorry. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus is our greatest need without a shadow of a doubt. And one thing I have to remember with working with people who have all sorts of other problems, whether that be not having a roof over their head, having a problem with addiction, having family breakdown issues, whatever it may be, I have to remind myself, don't forget about their greatest need, Jesus. It's so, so important that even if it isn't appropriate for me to talk to them about Jesus for whatever reason, although thankfully normally it is, normally clients are very happy to hear a bit about Jesus. But even if it's not appropriate, I know it's so important that my heart is that they will find Jesus through us helping them to housing, through helping them to get support with an addiction issue, through helping them be reunited with their family, whatever it may be. Because otherwise, I feel I've neglected them. I feel that I've forsaken their most greatest need. I might have done all these other things for them, but I feel that sense of neglect that, that I did not at least you know, in the background, prayerfully hope and pray that what we're doing would help them to come to know Jesus, even if we've not been able to share the word with them for whatever reason. Jesus is our greatest need. Jesus is our greatest need because he is the way, the truth, the life. And that is, of course, central to this passage. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And we'll think more in a minute about what that means. But as I said before, we want to eat well this morning. We want to make sure that we're well fed. And there's so much more here for us than that really central message of him being the way, the truth, the life, though it all, of course, connects with that. Passage kicks off with 
Jesus saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Please don't let that go over your head. There is such a huge message for us just there. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. What is Jesus saying there? Well, first of all, there's this massive revelation that we have a choice. We have a choice. Do not let your heart be troubled. We have a choice. We live in a world where more and more um, things are being seen as impossible and therefore people will not do things out of fear and people will choose to see things in a very narrow way. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. There is no hopeless situation with Jesus. Literally, there is no hopeless situation. Isn't it incredible that even death has lost its sting because of Jesus? Now, that might not mean that we see lots of physical resurrections happening, but what it means, and funny enough, the scripture goes on to say this in those first few verses, we have a hope of eternity and we have, incredibly, because of the story of that criminal on the cross who gave his life to Jesus in those last dying moments, we even can have a faith that there's some people that may well be in heaven that we're not expecting to be because only the Lord knows what's gone on with those people in those dying moments. Incredible, isn't it? So there is no situation, literally, there is not one situation that is hopeless because of Jesus. Only Jesus can teach that. And only through Jesus can we believe that. There is no hopeless situation. We can keep praying, we can keep trusting, we can keep believing. And even after an event where it all seems like it's over, we know God's got eternity in his hands and this world in his hands, so it is not over. And our hope is in him all day long. Do not let your heart be troubled. Does this mean that we aren't to have feelings of anxiety or fear or any other kind of negative feeling? Well, sadly, in the frame that we're in right now, that is unlikely to happen. Um, We can't really control that. I don't know about you, um, but there's been situations in my life where I've been overwhelmed with uh, with anxiety, and physically, I can't do anything about that. Um, It will surprise you, probably because of the fact that I'm up here speaking this morning, Uh, but once upon a time, if I was standing up before people, my knees would be knocking, um, going crazy, and I'd be so embarrassed, I'd be thinking, everyone's looking at me, I really want these knees to stop, but I can't do anything about it, because the anxiety has totally taken over. We can't necessarily do anything about how anxiety will make us feel, um, or about, you know, physical effects of what will go on with anxiety, stress, our hearts being troubled. But one thing I've learned um, is that when scripture talks to us about don't be afraid, and it does say it a lot of times, doesn't it? Don't be afraid, don't be anxious. Well, because of how our frame is made, it's pretty clear that it can't be saying, yeah, you're not to feel those things. But what it's saying is you don't have to be ruled by those things. And that's very, very significant. So we can't stop ourselves feeling anxious sometimes, feeling afraid, feeling troubled. But we can choose to not be overcome by that. We can choose to keep going. And what's wonderful is when we persevere in Christ and we go to him, we pray to him, we get that spiritual food and read our word like I was talking about earlier. You know, make sure you're lapping up all of those scriptures that do say don't be afraid and, you know, don't be anxious when you have those times of feeling anxious etc well in time as we persevere with him 
those feelings do often go. They very often do go, or at least decrease. It's quite rare that they will remain long-term. Obviously, there are some exceptions to that. But as we dwell in truth, as we talk to Jesus, we will find that those feelings do change. So as we choose to not let our hearts be troubled in terms of saying, I'm not going to let this rule me. I'm not going to let this anxiety rule me. I'm going to do something despite how strong these feelings are. I'm going to make a choice despite the fact that these feelings are telling me to not make that choice. Um, In time, those feelings are extremely likely to go and you will become more and more courageous. Just to give you a real life example for that in my life. um, Yeah, I gave one about the public speaking, um, you know, and, and how would that have ever changed if I'd not more and more put myself up front to the fact that now I'm, by God's grace, as comfortable standing up here as I was sitting down there. Um, or sitting at home, um, you know, in front of the television. That's because of continuing to persevere in Christ and wanting to do this for Christ. And another example I could give you is helping people that are homeless. Um, There would have been a time where I would have been pretty scared of doing that, I think, probably. But funny enough, it's so long ago now that I don't really remember it so much. Um, But I do remember it, it being true, even though I don't remember the details as much. Again, because of just thinking, no, I'm not going to be ruled by this. I am not going to hide in my home and not help those people that are out there on the streets that need my help. With God's help, I'm going to go. And he obviously helped me to do that to the point that now, by his grace, I've managed a homelessness service for five years. Um, And that blows my mind. I can't believe that that has happened. When I think back to when I was a little boy, um, with knees knocking and, you know early years a teenager where I would have been really scared to speak to someone that was homeless amazing so it happens through not letting your heart be troubled but trusting in him trusting in him and his word and doing all the things that I've already said that I'm not going to repeat to you because we've only got about five ten minutes left so much there do not let your heart be troubled trust in God trust also in Jesus So it's funny, isn't it? In the next kind of section where we are about to approach those key words of Jesus being the way, the truth, the life, um, we see that there's already um, a degree of not knowing Jesus uh, for who he really is in the disciples. Um, Thomas not really understanding what Jesus means about um, Jesus um, going somewhere. Um, And similarly, after the central message of Jesus being the way, the truth, the life, They don't really understand how they can know the Father through knowing Jesus. You know, there's a lot of confusion there for disciples. And what a comfort that is to us when we find scripture confusing. And how great it is that God doesn't stop loving them, does he? Jesus doesn't stop loving them. He is very patient, extremely patient time and time again. And that's a reminder to us that when we read scripture and we're confused, or when life's confusing, um... You know, just let's just be honest with God about that. Let's just be honest with God about that and ask for his help in that, uh, rather than being overcome and rather than accidentally being dishonest with him. I am the way, the truth, the life, the central message. That means so much, but I just want to talk about one or two things this morning of what that means. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. We live in a world where it's now the common thing to do something if it feels good and to not be black and white. Don't be, you know, 
of a way of thinking that is totally outdated now of believing there is anything black and white, uh, right and wrong. You know, everything is subjective and everyone's opinion must be respected to the degree that you should be scared to even challenge it in a polite way. We, we live in scary times, don't we? And not because of the pandemic, in my opinion. We live in scary times because of the fact that the world is so full of lies and we're not allowed to speak the truth. But we know that there are brothers and sisters who for years have not had the freedom to speak the truth in even more extreme ways than at the moment we're feeling challenged that we can't. And I'm really, really grateful to God that because he is Lord, not people, not Satan, there's always a way to evangelise. There's always a way to tell of the truth of Jesus. And I think we need to keep praying that he would help us to know how we can speak about him being the way, the truth, the life, in a way where the truth does get out there, where we do not in any way at all water down the gospel, um, but where we avoid hassle unless it's God's will for us to receive that hassle. There is no doubt about it that this scripture makes it 100% clear if people don't know from elsewhere in the scripture that Jesus is saying, there's no other God but me, besides, of course, Father God and the Holy Spirit, Holy Trine God. And there is no other way to salvation and to knowing this awesome holy trying God other than me. There's going to be more and more talk, I think, about there being more than one way to heaven, about there being all sorts of ways to receive your salvation, to make yourself clean. Actually, probably more so, actually, messages, well, you're not unclean anyway. There's nothing to worry about, you know. You're just imperfect and that's okay. Everyone's not perfect you know, this sin thing is the dark ages. You know, you don't need to worry about that. Scary, really scary, isn't it? All have fallen short of the glory of God and Jesus is the way, the truth, the life to get us out of this awful mess. I don't know about you, but one thing that I find helpful with sin to help me comprehend that actually, unlike what the world would say, it is a big deal and it does exist, is the fact that sin is so deep that it's probably better described as a heart condition, a spiritual heart condition, than it is a list of things that we're not allowed to do. The list of things that the Bible presents are really helpful in us identifying sin, but as scripture also says, and Jesus himself said, it's the heart, isn't it? It's, it's what's going on in the heart that is the most troubling thing that leads to those sinful actions, and that also, can be as bad as those actions without anything even coming out of the heart in some senses. Jesus' teachings were absolutely profound, weren't they? And are absolutely profound of, of thinking that to look at someone lustfully, you know, you could be committing adultery in some sense. To think of absolute evil thoughts of harming someone um, could be, in some senses, as bad as murdering. This, this is massive, isn't it? And I'm sure all of us, are aware that our hearts are not good, at least sometimes. But how good that through knowing Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God's word, our hearts can more and more be cleansed and we can more and more become like Jesus. And daily we can come to him recognising we've got this problem, but recognising we've got a healer who wants to make us more like him. And of course, ultimately, we know that he has paid the price 
for the sin within us, for our sinful thoughts, our sinful actions, our sinful words, everything about us that smells of sin. He has paid the price for that through his death on the cross. So thankfully, not only is he helping us get through it and helping us get better at overcoming sin, but he, in one sense, has completely overcome sin in terms of there is no punishment for us because of Jesus. There is no condemnation for us because of Jesus. We will, if we believe in him and his gospel, in the fact that he did die for us, we will be with him in paradise despite the fact that we're going to go there a work in progress. Praise God for that. We will go to heaven despite the fact we're a work in progress if we hold true to this glorious gospel that says, actually, unlike what the world says, hands up, I'm sinful, I need you. And even since I was saved, I still know I'm so far off your mark, I still need you. And I thank you that Jesus died upon the cross for me so that I could be completely forgiven for all of those sins that I've done and doing and will do. What a wonderful, incredible, amazing in the true sense of the word, gospel we have. I just want to end by looking at those last few verses, which can be quite confusing and quite complicated, complicated and do need a bit more explanation. So we've been told that we can do even greater things than Jesus. And after that, we've been told that whatever we ask for, from God, he'll do it. Those are, those are very, very bold statements, aren't they? So we're going to do greater things than Jesus. And whatever we ask for in his name, God will do it. So the first one, does this mean that we could in any way, shape or form be greater than Jesus and do greater things than Jesus? Well, not really. The, the thing that is greater is that God is showing his power in working for imperfect people like you and me to do great things. Jesus was, is, and always will be the genuine article, completely perfect. Therefore, when he loved like he loved and he performed the miracles that he performed, yeah, of course, it was absolutely phenomenal. But what's even more incredible is when God takes the likes of us and other Christians in the world and does amazing things through us. There's no comparison, is there? What's the more impressive display? Jesus was born to be perfect. Jesus was born to save. We need a lot of help. But thankfully, God's glad to give it. And whatever we ask for in his name, in Jesus' name, he will do. Does this mean that if we ask for a Jaguar, um, as in the car, not the animal, probably wouldn't want the animal, um, to turn up at the end of this service, one for each of us, why not? that God's going to do that? Well, probably not. But what it means is that when we get in step with God, when we get in line with God, when our heart is in tune with him, we want the things of heaven to come to earth. We want his kingdom to come to earth for the things of heaven, of peace, joy, forgiveness, healing, all sorts of these things to come. Well, yeah, very often they will come because we have got in step with what his plans are and we're praying in line with him and we need to pray that God would help us to pray the prayers that he'd want us to pray. 
and that he would help us to have a heart like his heart. And then, because his perfect purposes and perfect will will always prevail, we will every single time see him coming to our aid and doing the things that he's planned to do. Everything we're asking for in his name will be done. And that's the key. When we're asking in his name, we're asking in line with his perfect will rather than trying to persuade God to do things our way, which is never going to end well for all sorts of reasons. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And every day we have the choice of whether we allow ourselves to trust him or to allow ourselves to be overcome by feelings, to hide away, whatever it may be. And we have the choice whether we're going to get to know him better. And I just want to pray as we close in, in response to that. Lord, we want to say thank you for your grace. Thank you that it's overwhelmingly good. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. But I just want to thank you. That doesn't mean it's not real. Thank you. It's so evident every single day, your grace, if we look around for it. And we thank you that it's above all displayed in your cross, that, that incredible message that is rock steady every day, even when we're feeling awful, even when we're feeling abandoned by you. That massive message of the cross that you love us. You love us unconditionally and that you're with us and you're even with us to the extent that you came and walked on the earth so that you would truly be able to relate to the hurts and the illnesses and the sufferings and all that we face. And we say, please, Lord, would you help us daily to get better at not allowing our hearts to be troubled, to trust in the way, the truth, the life. And would our number one priority in our lives, each of us, be to get to know Jesus more each day. We want to thank you that as we get to know you more, we do become like you. And as we become like you, we're more of a blessing to our wives, our husbands, um, to our children, to our extended family, to our friends, to the places we work, all areas, Lord. As we are around the way, the truth, the life, as we are around the light of the world, that light is contagious, rubs off on us, and we be that light too. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to be with my brothers and sisters today, and we just all come before you and say, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you and we want more of you. And may that always be our hunger and our deepest hunger. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you.